0: Welcome to Nest Church, and thanks for listening to our podcast. We hope this word blesses you today. For more information, visit nestchurch.com. We hope to see you soon. And remember, you are we give Can we the Lord the Lord the greatest praise in here today? Come on, that's weak, man. All right. You know, as, as uh, Eli was praying, I, I'm back here and, and Gonzalo <laughs> has an iPad that has all these hieroglyphic letters on them. I have no idea what that says. Um, but it makes me think like spiritual gifts that we have and one of them is, is giving worship and playing an instrument And man, like, I am nowhere near learning. I wish I could be on the worship team, but man, I have no idea. It's all these crazy letters, A, G, and then three words, and then... Those that are musically inclined, I'm sure you guys know all of that. Amen. How's everybody doing this morning? Everyone's good? Amen. Praise the Lord. It's a good day. It's always a good day in the house of God. I'm honored to be here with you guys today. Um, Just so you know, Pastor Regal is at a men's retreat with uh, quite a few of the men from the church and they're just having an amazing time they've been sending stuff through social media, um, praise and worship and it's just great men of God that are pouring out into them. I would have loved to go. I shared with the 9:30 uh, huddle group. It was my MiMA's 90th birthday. So I celebrated come on, you know you guys have grandparents. if they're still alive, you call them something right? Well I call my grandma Mima. And- that's what I call her. So I'm sure you guys have your own name for your grandparents. So yeah, we celebrated her 90th birthday. Um, we went to this place called El Novillo. Some really good steaks. Betsy's looking at me kind of weird. Yeah, El Novillo. It's a Nicaraguan restaurant. No? Okay. Yeah, they had really good steaks. So anyway, Grandma was super surprised. She had no idea. It was like 60, 70 people there. But we had a good time. So that's where Pastor Rigo is. I'll uh, keep them in prayer. They're having an amazing time. Today's their last session. Um, so I'm sure they're gonna come, ba- come back extremely blessed. So I want to do something this morning, as you know, which I believe all churches do this, or they should be doing this. We are a house of prayer, right? So when a brother or a sister is in need, or a brother or sister is hurting, or they're going through something, the church should come collectively and pray and lift up the needs of people. Amen? Do we agree with that? Hallelujah. So today we have someone special here, and I'm not sure if she knew we were going to do this. Uh, but Brother Gerson has his sister Lisette here today. Uh, uh, Brother Gerson is going, that's Lisette back there. Everybody look at I say hi, Lisette. Ah, beautiful. So Lisette is getting induced on Tuesday. Is that correct? Did I get the day right? Yeah, she's getting induced on Tuesday with a baby. So what we want to do today, church, we want to come into agreement together and just pray over Lisette. Uh, pray that everything is going to go well with her and the doctors and the baby. Can we do that here today? Hallelujah. Can we stand? Amen. And we could just stretch out our hands. If you want to face her, amen. We could face her and stretch out our hands to her today. Lord God, we just thank you, Lord. And we're saying thank you from right now, Lord, because we know that victory is already here. So, Lord, we're lifting this up, Lord. We, we lift up our sister set, Father God. Lord, we just pray that your presence is in that room, Lord God. Lord, that your presence is the one that is guiding the doctor's hands that is in the doctor's mind, in his thoughts. Lord, Holy Spirit, I just pray that you just saturate that entire hospital, Father God. We pray, Lord, we're we're declaring victory today here, Lord God, because we know, Jesus, that you have already won the victory on the cross. So our hope is in that. So, Lord, we lift up our sister, Lord. I pray, Lord, that all anxieties are gone, Lord God. All fear is gone, Lord God. Lord, that as a second that she enters that hospital room, Lord, that the doctors just see her and they notice that there's something different about her, Lord God. I pray, Lord, I pray for a deep, beautiful presence in that place, Lord God. We pray for the baby, Lord, that when the baby comes out, it is, it is healthy, Father God, that the baby is glowing, Lord Jesus, that there are zero complications with the procedure that's going to be done, Lord. So we thank you, Lord God. We give you the praise here today, Lord. We give you all of the honor and all of the glory. And together, God's people say, yes and, amen. Amen. amen, hallelujah, all right, so for those of you that have been here in the past when I've preached, I am continuing on a book, does anybody remember the book that I've been preaching on for the past, long time, yeah, no, yes, yeah, Romans, James was a book before, yeah. Uh, But it is Romans, and today I'm going to continue on Romans chapter 12, Romans chapter 12. So if you have your Bible out, uh, you could turn to Romans chapter 12, or if you have your device, you could scroll there on your device. How many people here have an actual paper Bible, a real, the actual book, but that are using it here today? (laughs) Okay, amen, that's awesome, that's awesome. There's so much technology, and I get it, like, sometimes when I start scrolling through the Bible, I'm like, okay, but Romans is between which book and which, okay, but the the technology is a lot better. It's a lot better now. Okay, so it's going to be Romans chapter 12. So maybe we could all agree on this here today that we are living in interesting and in difficult times. And as Christians, I'll be honest, this is a very critical time in our lives, as believers in Christ. And, and Christians, listen, we've gone through like critical times all throughout the existence of the church, and I've really noticed that when it comes in, it comes really in goals and goes in seasons. And, and for the most part, for the Christian, the seasons are usually pretty good, and we'll hit a bump here and there. We're going to go through some difficult seasons sometimes. And when we face the difficult seasons, those are really times where we have to be ready to fight. And I'm not talking about physical altercation, you know, I'm talking about fighting in a spiritual realm. And even within like our personal lives, it's kind of like that. Things go good for a while, and then out of nowhere, like, man, we're just like faced with a trial. And I've told this to my wife before, there'll be seasons where I go through, I'm like, man, everything's been going so good. I wonder what the next trial is gonna be. And it's like a bad luck thing when I say that, man, because it's like, okay, God's like, okay, here you go. Next week, boom, something happens. I like, go, oh my goodness. Like, man, it's like I called this upon myself. But I don't call it upon myself, obviously. These are things that happen in life. But we're going to go through seasons, and we're going to be faced with things. And maybe you've heard me say this before. I believe we're usually at three different places in our lives. We are, number one, we're either entering a trial, right, Maybe we're in the middle of a trial. Or the third one is we just exited a trial. But it's usually one of those three that we're in. And I don't know about you guys, but man, like sometimes I just want rest. I don't want to be in the middle. I don't want to be entering something. And I don't want to just be getting over something. Man, I just, man, I want to chill. I want to rest. But I've come to learn this in the Christian walk. The battles that we face, the battle never going to stop. We just simply need to learn how to fight. We simply need to learn how to fight. And listen, we know, we know this. We have to learn where to draw our strength from. And I hope that we all know where our strength comes from. Right? It comes from Christ. It comes from Jesus. But a lot, of, a lot of times, our flesh just wants to handle things. And I'm sure you guys have been there. We want to handle things with our fleshly eyes and our minds. And instead of surrendering things to God... And that's a never a good thing. The results in that are, are never good. So today, I want us to look at what Paul writes here in Romans chapter 12. And some of the earlier verses have to do with some of these, some of these things. And we're going to read some things on our spiritual gifts as well. And then Paul's going to go on to describe how our Christian walk should look like. So it's going to be a lot of good things in Scripture here today that we're going to be going over. Amen. So if you could join me and you could turn to Romans chapter 12, what I'm going to do is I'm going to read through the text, um, and I'm not sure if we're going to get through it all today, um, but if we do, amen, and if we don't, it's all good, amen. So Romans chapter 12, and Paul starts with this, and sometimes on the top of the chapter you'll have like a description of the chapter, and mine says a living sacrifice, so it's going to depend what version you're reading, but that's what mine says, a living sacrifice, and Paul starts with this. Verse 1, I appeal to you therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Then we go to verse 2, and this is a verse that many people know, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. For by grace given to me, I say to everyone among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as a one body, we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members one of another. And then verse 9, we go on to see, Let love be genuine. Let love be genuine. Arbor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in the Spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. We're well, here in verse 14. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by doing so, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Amen. That's powerful stuff. Let's pray really quick. Lord God, we just thank you, Lord. We thank you for this word, Lord, and Lord, and Holy Spirit, I just pray, Father God, that we need your help here today, Lord, just to dissect these verses and to see what Paul is saying. So, Lord, I pray that what I speak here today is nothing of me, and it is everything of you, Lord, that you direct my words, Lord God, and that this is received well. So we give you the praise and the honor and the glory, and we say yes and amen. That is a lot of good scripture to go over. A lot of great information on what Paul is giving to the believers here. On how to live and how not to live, on what to do and what not to do. And, you know, so many times, like, we read these scriptures and we think to ourselves, well, it's just not that easy. Especially we see the last part. Don't repay evil with evil. Do good to everyone. Don't, uh, like, those that are persecuting, blessed. Like, we read this stuff and like, oh, okay, yeah, that's great words, Paul, but it's a lot easier said than done. Man, and I get it. Because I've been there and I've experienced those things. But we say this, well, it's not that easy. Yeah, it is. It is easy. You see, because we're the ones that begin to complicate things. God has left a blueprint for us to follow. But what happens is this, is that we want to put a window where a door goes. And we don't want to nail the pieces of wood together. We want to put tape where the nail is supposed to go through the wood and we want to go off track and we don't want to follow instructions and we don't want to follow the blueprint and then we get upset when our house begins to crumble because we're not following the blueprint it it crumbles because we didn't follow the instructions on how to build it correctly does that sound like some of us in here it sounds like me Sometimes I don't want to follow God's blueprint. I don't want to follow the instructions that He's outlined in the Word. We just don't do it. So we get into these verses here, and we see what He says in verse 1. He says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers. And listen, when you, see, when you read that, when He says, I appeal to you, He says this, that He's saying, I'm urging you. People, please listen to this, because I'm urging you. By the mercies of God to present your bodies... As a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Okay, so let's break this part down. Some of us, if not many of us, and you could ask yourself this question, But many of us have accepted Jesus as Savior. Is that right? Okay, many of us have accepted Him as Savior. We have acknowledged what He's done for us on the cross. We believe in His death, His burial, and His resurrection. And we look forward to eternal life. And that is a great thing. These are all great things. But we still want to take control of our own lives, we're still the ones behind the wheel. And I'm the first one saying, this was me, 100%. I I knew about Jesus, and I knew what Jesus had done, and and I go to sleep at night, and I say a quick 10-second prayer, and it's usually something like, oh, Lord, bless me in such and such way. Lord, please deal with this person. They're really annoying me. We want all the blessings, and we want our problems dealt with very quick. That was me, 100%. And I come to church on a Sunday, and Monday came around, and boom, I'm back in control of my life. I'm the one that wants to control things. And this is what happened. What happened was that I made Jesus my Savior, but I didn't make him my Lord. That's what happened. Jesus was my Savior, but he was not my Lord. He was great, because I knew that in Christ I had eternal life. But I never surrendered my life as a living sacrifice. And that's what Paul's talking about here, to surrender our lives as a living sacrifice. And I don't know if some of you in here are living like that. But I want to tell you that there is so much more benefit to have them not just as your Savior, but as your Lord as well. You see, because when you have them as Lord, you're saying that I don't have ownership of my life. Every single move that I do is is orchestrated by you, God. That, Lord, I want you to take the wheel. And when we accept Jesus, this is what we're saying. That we're giving our lives to you. You remember that scripture that says you were bought at a price? I don't know if you know what that means. It says we're bought at a price. God purchased you. You are no longer your own. And when you begin to live with Jesus as Lord, man, it takes so much pressure off. Because we know who's in control of everything. You're no longer controlling your life. It's God that's controlling your life. So that's why Paul here, he's saying it. He's presenting this to you. He's saying, present your bodies as a living sacrifice with everything of you. Make them Lord. And when you go to verse 2, Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. That by testing, you may discern what is the will of God. What is good and acceptable and perfect. And maybe we read this and we ask, okay, why do I have to conform? Why do I have to be transformed? Why is God calling me not to be like this world? Like, why do I have to be different? And we have to dive into Scripture to see why. 2 Corinthians Chapter 4, it says this. Chapter 4, verse 4. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Why is this important? Why, what does this verse have to do with it? Well, it has to do with it because it shows us whose dominion the world lies in. It says it here. It's under the power of the enemy. And what has the enemy come to do? Go ahead, say it. To steal. Kill, steal, and destroy. Yeah, amen. What else? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Lie, deceive. He's here to blind people, to speak lies to people, to confuse people, to kill, steal, and destroy. The enemy doesn't want people coming to the truth. He wants to keep people in darkness. That's why we cannot conform to the patterns of the world. Because there's no truth in it. And the world is under the dominion of the enemy. And that's why things are the way they are. Confusion within people's identity. We see this within kids in schools, within the governments. They're trying to indoctrinate them with all these crazy things. There's division amongst amongst different races. The world has become completely divided because of the color of somebody's skin. This is crazy things. There's nations churning against nations. There's war on every single corner. And all of these things have started because the enemy has spoken a lie to man. And in the carnality of man, they ran with it. That's why these things are starting. And that's why we see these things in every single corner. He wants to keep you blind. He wants to keep you confused. And he wants to lie to you. That's the job of the enemy. And what happens is, is when we believe these lies, we can never be transformed by the renewal of our minds. We won't test things to see if they're from God. We just run with the first fable that is told to us. And that happens a lot. And we see it a lot. And that's a scary place to be at. That's one reason why we can't conform. Reason number two. We look at 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 19. For the wisdom of this world is folly with God. Folly is just another word meaning foolishness. God considers the wisdom of this world to be foolish. You know, I've had so many conversations with really smart people. Very intellectual smart people. Usually people that are not of the faith, they're, very, they're, they're, they're worldly people. These smart people that I'm talking about. And they could seem so smart and they could speak with such eloquence. But God says that their wisdom is foolish. What good is it being so intellectual but you deny the existence of a creator? People want to gain the whole world yet they lose their soul. And how, how is that profitable? You remember when Jesus said that in the book of Matthew? What does it profit you to gain the whole world but yet, let, yet lose your soul? It's foolishness. Things of this world our foolishness. That's why we are called to be set apart and we're not to conform to the patterns of darkness. So what are we to do? It's to be transformed, right, by the renewal of our minds so that we may have discernment in what God's will is. Now notice what I said. God's will. Not our will. It's God's will. A lot of us, uh, times the transformation of our minds turns into something that we want to do. And we have to discern that. And it has nothing to do with the will of God. It becomes something of total flesh. That's what happens sometimes with the transformation. So a lot of times I'll hear people say like, man, God told me this and this and this and to do this. But really like when you hear what the person is saying, you're like, okay, hold on a second. What you're saying is completely contrary to what Scripture is teaching. So is this from God? Or is this something of the flesh? So that's why Paul says that the transformation of the mind needs to have discernment to what God's will is and not our own will. And the biggest question you're going to hear is like, okay, what's God's will for me? Maybe a lot of you guys have asked yourself that. What is my purpose? What does God want me to do here? And it's very simple. All we have to do is really open up our Bible and read what the life of a Christian is. Remember the blueprint? That's the blueprint. We just got to open this up and read. Okay, what does this say about me? You want to know what God's will is? It's actually pretty easy. It's pretty easy to know. It's to love others, to serve others, to forgive others, to walk by the Spirit and not the flesh, to pick up your cross daily, to spread the gospel, to be patient in trials, and endure to the end. It's kind of it in a nutshell, right? But those are some of the attributes. So we're going to get a little bit more into that in a second here. And it's, yes, it's really that simple. So when we go to verse 3, Paul's not going to start getting into these things. And look what he says in verse 3. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. That's going to hit hard now in a second. But to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. Now when I say this, not to think more highly than he ought. Not me saying, this is what Paul is saying. What comes to your mind? What, what do you guys think of that? That's good. Yeah, amen. That's exactly, that's exactly what he's talking about. Yeah, that's one of the things. Be humble, right? Don't walk in pride. You got to check your heart sometimes. That's what he's talking about here. And I love it. Because Paul is writing... To keep his people, what you said, humble. That's what he wants to do. He wants to keep people humble. You see, the Pharisees thought more highly of themselves. Have you guys ever met a Pharisee? You know Pharisees exist today, right? The same Pharisees that were 2,000 years ago, the same Pharisees exist today. They thought that they were great because they were attempting to keep the commandments. I'm talking about biblical times back then. That's why the Pharisees thought so much of themselves. They thought they were good, but to be honest, it was all a facade. That's what it was. Because inside, they were wicked. It was wickedness inside of their hearts. So you could act a certain way in front of people, but but the truth of the matter was that at the deepest, deepest parts of their core, there was wickedness. And if we're not humble, it's just a matter of time before what happens? Before we get exposed. That's what happens with the Pharisees. They got exposed. And God is always going to expose the wicked. And I've met, and this is sad to say, but I've met Christians like this. I've met them. They walk around thinking that they're better than everyone else. (laughs) And I have one verse for that. Romans 3.23 says this. Then listen to this verse very carefully. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. You see, when we receive this verse in the context that Paul is writing it, it's very straightforward. Our hearts are not good. We fall extremely short of God's glory. That's why Paul is saying we should not think higher than we ought to think. The playing field is level for everyone. Everyone. It's level for everyone. We're never going to measure up to the standards in which God has called us to live. We're not going to measure up to it. You know what God's standard is? Do you guys know what it is? It's the Ten Commandments. We don't measure up to that. What does Scripture say? You have broken one commandment. You have broken them all. We will never measure up. And I use this a lot when I do evangelism. I always come up to people and I always ask them the same question. Do you think that you are a good person? Somebody could answer that. Why not? Because you sinned. You know what the Bible says? That men will proclaim their own goodness. That's what the Bible says. Men are going to proclaim their own goodness. But when we see Paul and we see the words of Jesus... And we see what God's standard is, the Ten Commandments. I always ask somebody, have you ever lied before in your entire life? Most people will be like, yeah, of course I've lied. Okay, how many lies have you said? Oh, man, it's like too many to think, right? Thousands, hundreds of thousands of lies. Have you ever stolen something before? A nickel out of a purse? What, is, what do you call somebody that steals? A thief. Right, so, so what are you? A lying thief. You still think you're good? Most people are going to say, yeah, I'm still good. But why? Oh, man, because I haven't murdered, and I haven't done this, and I haven't done that. But God's not holding one sin higher than the other. He says if you've broken one, you've broken them all. So you see, the mind begins to change, and that's what the core of the gospel gets to. is to show you, like, wow, wait a minute. Man, I'm like a wicked sinner. And the gospel is what, man? That Christ came and he took your place. He took your punishment for the sin. You've been redeemed. So now when you stand before the Father, God's not seen your criminal record. He's seen Jesus' perfect record. Amen. Man. Yeah, amen for that. All right, so we need to stay humble. We need to stay humble. I'm, I'm so happy you said that. Humble. You need to stay humble. Look what Jesus says in Matthew 7:55. And sometimes we read these things like, man, like, cry, right, man, like you're using harsh words here. Look what he says. You hypocrite. He's talking to the Pharisees. You hypocrite. First take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. And when you guys hear that, what do you think about we think about judgment, right? That's like one of the biggest things that, that we hear from like the world. Oh, you can't judge me? Aren't you, Christians are not allowed to judge. Technically, they're right, but technically they're wrong, right? Because the Bible does say that we can't judge with righteous judgment and with a sober mind. We are to judge the things of the world. But what Jesus is talking about here is you can't judge something in which you yourself walk in. You know what I'm talking about? So we hear this verse so many times. Yet, people are still so often quick to judge. Listen, we can't go around judging people on sexual immorality when they themselves or you yourself are walking in sexual immorality. We can't go around judging people because they're liars when you yourself are a liar. You can't go around judging people because they're thieves when you yourself are a thief. You get my drift? You understand, like, where this is going? You can't go around saying, oh, man, this person is a gossip and a slander." Yeah, you yourself are a gossip and a slanderer. That's what Jesus is talking about. Take the log out of your own eye first before you could approach somebody to take the speck out of their eye. I see people whispering, like, oh, man, is that me? <laughs> it's all good, man. Jesus is calling these people what? He's calling them hypocrites take the log out of your eye instead of condemning others instead of gossip about others instead of tearing others down what do we need to do, man we don't need to listen we don't have to play judge jury and executioner we really don't need to do that number one we don't even have the authority to do so what we need to do within the christian realm we need to stop fighting each other and come alongside our brothers and our sisters and start fighting against the kingdom of darkness that's where the fight should really be it's not against one another but against the kingdom of darkness. You know it's so easy to think more highly than we are. Thinking we're better than others, calling out things and people. Yeah, yeah, we walk in the very same things in which we patch judgment on. And that's what thinking highly of yourself does, man, like in a prideful way. It's going to do it to you. That's why Paul says, "We need to think with what with a sober judgment." That's the second part of the verse. Think with a sober judgment because when you're sober, you're thinking correctly. We need to have A sound assessment of ourselves. A sound assessment. The Pharisees did not have a sound assessment. They didn't have a sound assessment. They went around pointing out the wrong in everyone. And at the core, really, the Pharisees were the worst people of them all. It's crazy because you start thinking about them and they were just so stuck on the laws that they weren't able to receive the blessing that God had promised. They're so focused on the commandments and teaching Torah and acting a certain way and not doing things on the Sabbath and not doing this and not doing that, that man, like God sent them such a blessing and they weren't able to receive it. And this is why so many people turn away from church because they see it as a religious faction, a place that's full of judgment. The church is not supposed to be a courtroom for guilty, but a hospital for broken people. That's what the church is supposed to be. I had a conversation with someone not long ago and this man, very upset, with me (laughs) he says i grew up in the church and i know what the church is all about it's all about passing judgment on one another and i said man you didn't have a run-in with the true church you had a run-in with religion that's what i told him and he just this guy he couldn't accept fortunately he couldn't receive what i was telling him if you only knew what the church really is what christ has called the church to be a place of brokenness that we could come before the presence of God and experience healing. That's what the church is, where we could be redeemed, a group of sinners, a group of wretched people. That's what Paul calls himself. I am so wretched. Who is going to deliver me from this? Thanks be to God through Christ Jesus. That's what the church is. It's not a place of judgment. How can we start judging people when we ourselves are going to be judged? It's crazy. It's crazy. That's why I'm telling you, the church is supposed to be a hospital for the broken. Hospital for the broken. And these things, unfortunately, they still happen. But God deals with it. And guess what? We're still called to love the Pharisee. We're still called to love them. And I believe Paul here is he's speaking on sober judgment because he's also setting up the next few verses for us on spiritual gifts. Right, You need to operate a certain way with a spiritual gift. You can't be operating from a place of pride because then what good is going to be your gift? So we see here in verse number 4, For as one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. And this is really great here. This is really for those of you who think, man, I have no place within a church. I have no gift to offer. But Paul is saying here, your body has many different parts, and not all the parts are going to function the same way. But every part is crucial for your body to function correctly. Your liver is going to do something different than your heart. Your heart's going to do something different. Your foot's going to move a different way. Your arms are going to move a different way. Your eyes are going to see things. Your ears are going to hear things. All different functions of the body, but they're all needed for the body to function. So, We are here, part of the body of Christ, but we all function in a different capacity, and we operate in different gifts. And what are those gifts? Every believer possesses a gift. We all have them. We have a gift given from God. Look what Paul says in the next verses, verse number six. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. So important, if you have these gifts, don't let your gift go to waste. Let us use them. If it's prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in in generosity, the one who leads, he leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. And these are just some of the gifts. These are not all of them. These are some of the gifts. The rest of the gifts we could see in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And check this out. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom. And to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit. To another faith by the same Spirit. To another gifts of healing by the one Spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, the ability to distinguish between spirits. To another, various kinds of tongues. And to another, the interpretation of tongues. Act upon your gift. Gee, can you put the list up here of the gifts? Which gift do you have? Check this out. Prophecy, service, teaching, generosity, leading, exhortation, utterance, wisdom, utterance of knowledge, faith, healing, working of miracles, distinguishing between spirits and tongues, interpretation of tongues. You guys have one of these gifts, or if not, multiple gifts. Everybody has a gift. We all have something to offer, and what a shame it would be if we don't act upon the gifting that God has given us. And maybe a question to ask is, if I have a gift... If you know what gift you have is, Lord, am I functioning in this gift properly? Am I functioning in the gift properly? Are we functioning with a pure and humble heart in these things? And I think this is so important. It's so important because how do we honor God in our gifting if it's from a place of pride? I don't feel that God will honor that. And then our gift really isn't a gift. It's an act of flesh. And we've seen this. I don't know if you've seen it. I've seen it. I've seen this multiple times. And we have to be very careful with this. Because if we really think about it, God has given you something supernatural in which which he wants you to do work in. And most importantly is your gift lining up with what scripture teaches. And what do I mean by that? Listen, you can't prophesy over somebody's life and then the word that you spoke to them doesn't come to pass. Or, how about the complete opposite happens to that person? Well, then you don't have to give the gift of prophecy. I always think of, of like some televangelist, and I'm not gonna say his name because there's several of them. They'll tell you something like, You better give a big tithe to the church today because I need to buy my $50 million jet to fly across the world to spread the gospel. And I kid you not, this is exactly what this man said. He says, I want to be able to fly from here across the world without having to stop to refuel. But in order to do that, I need a new $50 million jet. And if you contribute to this, then your bank account is going to multiply. They, they usually start with saying, thus says the Lord. That's a dangerous thing to say, man. I've heard it. Exactly. I've heard it from television. They'll say it. I declare you debt-free, thus says the Lord. And then three months later, you're still struggling to pay rent. (laughs) You don't have the gift of prophecy, my friend. To say a thus says the Lord. Thus says the Lord means that God has given you a word to share, to give. And you're saying a thus says the Lord to somebody that's in financial turmoil and telling them, if you give me everything, if you give me a big tithe... Thus, says the Lord, this is going to happen? Bro, that is dangerous, man. You don't have the gift of prophecy. You don't have the gift of prophecy. Now, I'm just going to say, you're a scammer. That's what you are, bro. You are scamming people. But we hear this, and these things happen. And I believe that we have such a responsibility to walk and operate in our gifts correctly. Correctly correctly. Now, you kind of know what gifting you may have, and and, and if you don't, I pray or I encourage you to pray on this and ask God, like, like, Lord, like, reveal this to me. And how can the gifting you've given me, how can it be used for your kingdom? So if you have your gift and you know what your gift is, now what? Now what do you do with it? Well, now you live the Christian walk. And what does that look like? I kind of went over a few of them earlier. And Paul's going to say it now here in the next verse. Check it out. Let love be genuine. Arbor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Wow, man. To out, I love that one. Outdo one another. That is so awesome. I got you a gift, Adrian. No, but you got me a better gift. No, but I'm going to get you a better gift. But you're going to get me one. I'm going to serve you. You're going to serve me. I'm going to serve you better. You're going to serve me. Like, man, like, outdo one another. That's like, I don't know. I love that one. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in the spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Patient in tribulation. (laughs) Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Let's go back to one of these. Be patient in tribulation. Who here is patient in tribulation? One hand. Kind of like half a hand. Right? I am not patient in tribulation at all. That's me. I'm being honest. When I'm going through something, Lord, I want the answer and I want it right now. I don't want to wait. And I don't want to have to pray for it either. I want the answer without the prayer. I want the victory without the battle. I don't want to go through any of these things. And you better answer me right now. I am not patient whatsoever. You can ask my wife. There's some things I don't have patience for, man. I I don't. I'm not saying like bad things. I'm just saying like, okay, I got to be here at this time. I got to get there 15 minutes early, and I have to leave right now. Or I get to a restaurant. You guys might do this one. I get to a restaurant, and I see somebody pulling up, and I'll drive to the front. Just get off the car. Like, you have to get in front of these people. It's like a group of 15 people. You got to get off right now. I am not patient with these things. And these are regular things. Listen, going to a restaurant and there's people getting off before me, that's not a trial. Okay? That's not tribulation. So I'm not patient in that. Imagine when I face something for real. I'm really not patient. But he's saying this, man, like, be patient in tribulation. And what does that follow? Be constant in prayer. So those two are going to go hand in hand. When you're facing the trial, you have to be constant in prayer. Is, are you guys understanding this here today? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Seek to show hospitality. Are you guys very hospitable people? Maybe. Sometimes. depend. If you're hangry, probably not. Worship team, you can start coming up. You're like, oh, man, it's only 1115. Yeah, it's God's word just cuts to the heart sometimes. <laughs> All amazing attributes to that that build on our Christian character, right? And these things are to show proof that we've been born again. So some of these things, right? Don't be slothful and zeal, love one another. These are all attributes that show that your heart has been changed. So I'm hoping that we have some of these attributes. Maybe some of them aren't as, uh, you know, like we're not leveled up in some of them, but that's okay, right? As long as we're patient, as long as we're in constant prayer, we have to have some of these to show that We have been born again. And you know, Paul's writing this here, and he's really saying that we need to have love for one another, but not just any regular love, a family type of love. And I've gone over all of them. Patience, we're talking about patience. That's a really big one. We need to practice the patience, but not only practice it, we we need to also trust that God is keeping to his promises when we start going through these things. He says to be fervent in the spirit. Unless we're lacking it, and if we are, what do we do? We take it and confess it to God. Like, like, Lord, ignite me once again. And now the next verses, I'm just going to read through them. And when I read this part, I'm like, man, this really applies like when we've been hurt by somebody. When somebody did us wrong. And Paul's saying here, okay, what are we going to do with this now? Check it out. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one. Evil for evil. But give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. That, that part is very important. Because when somebody does you wrong, the world is watching. To see how you are going to react. And look what he says. Repay no one evil for evil. But give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of everything. In the sight of everyone. Do the honorable thing no matter what has happened to you. No matter this person. No matter what they did to you. Be honorable in it. And if possible, so far as it depends on you, live peacefully. Peaceably with all. And this is where one of God's promises comes in. And I'm not saying this when to say, okay, yes, like judgment's going to come one day. That's not why I'm saying this. But look what he says. Beloved, never avenge yourself, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, vengeance is mine, and I will repay, says the Lord. We don't need to revenge ourselves. We don't need to avenge ourselves. God is going to deal with it. And whatever the situation is, he's going to handle it. He's going to deal with it. Instead of of you dealing with it, look what he says. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, what do you do? You feed him. If he's thirsty, you give him something to drink. For by doing so, you will heap burning coals on his head. And probably the most powerful one, verse 21. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Bless those who persecute you. How many times have we done that? Easy to read. Easy to read. Hard sometimes to do. You know, when I read these things, and if I deal with these things in my flesh, nothing good is ever going to happen. Nothing good will ever come out of a reaction from my flesh. That's why Paul is saying, never avenge yourselves. So when these feelings start to rise up, what do I have to do? And I learned this from... Pastor Tom Klasner, we had something with him. He was here last weekend, or was it the weekend before? The weekend before, yeah. And, And I learned something from this man that was so powerful. That when I have certain feelings rise up like this, I throw it back to God. Because he's the one that is promising me peace. And Lord, I'm not experiencing peace right now. And you promised me peace. So I have to throw it back to him. And then I hear God say, you haven't experienced peace because you haven't fully surrendered this to me. And that's just the reality of it. I'm still walking in things that I have called you to never hold on to. And you have such a tight grip on it that even when you get free from it, you want to run back to the very thing that causes you pain. So what do we do? This is what we do. I trust and rest. And this one verse is John chapter eight verse thirty six. So if the sun sets you free, you're free indeed. That's what I rest on. Can you guys stand with me here today? Wow. Who in here today needs freedom? I could tell you right now, man, I'm the first one. I need freedom. There's a lot of things that I deal with, a lot of things that I carry within my heart, within my mind, that I need to be set free from. That's when I read this, John chapter 8. So if the Son is going to set you free, you will be free indeed. And how does freedom start? How do you start receiving Freedom. Freedom starts with the most basic message you've ever heard, and that's the gospel. That's where freedom starts, and I don't know if you've heard the gospel before. I hope you have, but if you haven't, I'm going to tell you what the gospel is. It's very simple. We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. What does that mean? It means that we're all broken people. We're all broken because of the sin of Adam. That's how sin entered the world. And everyone now, under that, has sinned. We've broken all of God's commandments. And there is a penalty to be paid for our rebellion. And it says it in Romans, it says that for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus. You know, Jesus came and He lived lived a perfect life of 33 years. That's a life that I cannot live for 33 seconds. It was perfect and he came and he was beaten and he was whipped and then they gave him a crown of thorns and they told him march all the way to Calvary and on Calvary he was nailed to a cross and on that cross he died for the sins of the world. And as he hung on that cross church he was thinking about you 2,000 years later individually and specifically thinking about you and he knew that at one point in your life you were going to hear the gospel and you have a decision to make the beautiful part of this is that Jesus was nailed to a cross and he died on a cross but he didn't stay dead You see, three days later, he was resurrected, conquering death and taking victory over sin. And the Bible says that God has demonstrated his love towards us while we were sinners, Christ died for us. So in the middle of our rebellion, Jesus says, I still want you and I still love you. And the Bible says that now if we confess our sins, and we put our faith and trust in Christ and in Christ alone, then we will be saved. And we see that in Romans chapter 10, that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and you believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, then you will be saved. For all who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. It's not an exclusive message. It's not just a message for white people, for black people for Asians, for Mexicans for, the message is for everyone it's for everyone for all who call upon his name and that's where freedom starts it starts with the gospel it starts by repenting and confessing our sins and confessing Jesus as Lord and as Savior remember what we said yesterday, I have made Jesus my Savior but he was never the Lord of my life so I want to encourage you guys today if that's where you're at it's okay. But I want to encourage you to make them Lord of your life as well. Not just Savior, but Lord of your life. Can we come to a agreement in prayer here today? Lord, I thank you for everybody here today, Father God. I don't know who needed to hear this message. This message was just for one person here today, Lord, then all the glory be given to you. We thank you, Lord. Because we know that in the middle our hearts being wrong and in the middle of our thoughts in the middle of the things that we do that don't honor you Father God Lord that you still came and you still took a cross for me so Lord I thank you for that being renewed and transformed every single day so Lord I pray that you continue to keep us on that path Father God I pray Lord a blessing over us, and I'm not talking about a materialistic blessing, I'm not talking about something, Lord, I'm talking about a deeper revelation of who you are, a closeness to you, Holy Spirit. That's what we want, that's what we urge for, Lord, to know more of you, Father God. Just as Paul had said, that he has learned to be content when he has little and when he has plenty. So, Lord God, in the middle of wherever we're at with whatever we have, Lord God, that we are content because you fulfill us, Lord. You fill every need that we have. So, Lord, I want to give you the greatest praise in here today, Father God, not just on a Sunday, but for all the days of my life, Lord God. That we continue to walk, Lord, proclaiming you, Jesus, as King. Lifting your name up as a banner for the world to see we thank you for today, Father God. Lord, that we live in victory. That we leave here today in power. We give you the greatest praise, all of the honor, and all of the glory. And God's people say yes and amen. Give the Lord the greatest praise. I don't know who this word was for, but man, I hope you guys are blessed today. I hope you go Throughout, throughout the week, throughout the month, making Jesus His Lord. And we just want to remind you guys, we have the fast coming up. You saw the video that Pastor Regal had played. He's going to be announcing it through social media as well. Man, we encourage you. The fast of gratitude. Fast of gratitude. So stay tuned. Pastor Regal is going to have all the details on it. Amen? Amen. Have an amazing Sunday, guys. God bless you.